Welcome to the Comic Sauce Podcast, where we talk comics and comics culture. Presented by Cape and Cowell Comics. I am Henry Liu, and today I am once again joined by Rainier. Rainier, how is it going? Oh, uh, it's going well, Henry. Thanks for having me. Yep, yep. All right, so today is Monday. Uh, uh, sorry. Monday, November 13th, and we are mere days away from the release of Justice League. And you and I are going together. We have our tickets, and we're going to go Thursday night. Yeah, we got our date night set up. Yeah. (laughs) I I already heard that critic reviews uh, were out as early as last Thursday. Okay. And I basically turned everything off oh good i don't want to look at anything i don't want to see rotten tomato numbers i don't want to see a single word talked about justice league until i see it yeah which is going to be impossible it's going to be tough but um i'm doing the same i'm staying away from reviews and rt ratings and all that sort of stuff so hopefully we can go in as fresh as possible and um so yeah i thought today we talk about DC movies, specifically live-action DC movies. You know, last week we went into the MCU pretty deep. Uh, With Justice League coming out, let's talk some DC stuff. And it's a little bit apples to oranges because with the MCU, it's a shared universe, right? And DC has been doing the shared universe, but only, you know, in the last few years. So there's only been a handful of these DCEU movies. Um, but there's been a long and rich history of live-action DC flicks, you know, going all the way back to uh, the Adam West Batman movie. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot of great flicks in there, and uh, it's definitely worth, worth touching upon. Um, so, you know, I wanted to start with my personal anticipation for Justice League. You know, I have been vocal about being not the biggest fan of these DCU-EU movies, but I think it's definitely worth just kind of taking a step back and recognizing the significance of this Justice League movie. I mean, it's pretty huge, man. Like, um, maybe, like, the current middle-aged Henry Liu is not super looking forward to it. Maybe even like the the angsty high school Henry Liu who is starting to to discover Marvel comics isn't so much looking forward to it. But I feel like the you know how could you say that? <laughs> well, what <laughs> at any age I'm looking forward well, to it. Well, what I was getting at is as the prepubescent Henry Liu, that the child inside of me. I can't imagine that person, that kid. The reaction of that kid hearing that there is a Justice League movie coming out, that kid inside of me is like bubbling with excitement. You know, he can't wait for this shit. You know what I mean? So wait a second. So the now current Henry Liu is, <laughs> is, is okay, it's coming out. Yeah, I'm definitely tempering my <laughs> I'm tempering my expectations. But no, no, I just I'm digging deep, man. I'm looking inside and it's like I just just remembering as a young child first discovering these characters and we're talking super friends superpowers um you know uh, the legion of doom like that those those cartoons like really spoke to me 
and um, you know, I, I bought the toys and I played with the toys and like, like I, it was part of my life. You know, I it, it, I have to go back a long way, but yeah, like mine. you know, I mean, it was a big part of my upbringing. You know? Hey, when's the last time you've seen a Super Friends episode? <laughs> I mean, t- watching a full episode. I mean, it's been it's been a long, it's been a long time, decades. It sounds it's like got to be decades. <laughs> Um, but you know, you know, it's funny. There was actually an episode of Teen Titans Go that was dedicated to that specifically. Oh, awesome! <laughs> so Teen Titans Go is very, very fourth wall and very self aware. Yep, yep, yep. And uh, they the the topic of one of the episodes was, you know, Super Friends is like the best Justice League cartoon or the best superhero ensemble cartoon that existed. Mm-hmm. It doesn't compare to anything today. It was so classic, <laughs> and they and they they shot the entire episode in the same animation style, oh, in the same nice. dialogue style, That's and it cool. makes you realize: was it awesome for that <laughs> time, or is it awesome compared to now? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if those old Super Friends shows would stand the test of time, but uh, I mean, certainly in my memory, they were flawless. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. I would agree. I. I I would agree with that. Yeah, cool. So, um, and yeah, that, that's a that's a good point to touch upon, like the animation um, side of things. It, it's definitely DC has made its mark in animation for a super long time. And you know, today I thought we'd talk more of the, the live action stuff, but I mean, by just talking about the live action stuff, we're leaving out a tremendous part of like the DC. Uh, movie experience right you know like there's there's a bunch of awesome uh, DC animated films out there right you're yeah. you're really uh, deeply uh, into that, that kind of stuff too yeah right? yeah I, I grew up on DC animation specifically Batman the animated series yeah uh, I mean even as far back as Super Friends yep absolutely but Batman the animated series that's that's the gold standard for me awesome and before we get off of animated stuff like I did call out the Legion of Doom uh, that shit was so fucking awesome. Like the, uh, I guess it was called Challenge of the Super Friends. That's when they had this like team versus team format, and it was really like the only time I can think of when like a superhero cartoon had it wasn't just one villain. It was like a team of villain, a super team, you know. And uh, that stuff was great. You know that they had that swamp layer and that Darth Vader looking. Yeah. Helmet headquarters and such great villains, you know. This is awesome, dude. Can you name all those villains? Uh, <laughs> I can name. I don't know if I can name all of them, but uh, what? If, yeah, I want to go down, down the list uh, together I mean, because I know my favorite was Black Manta. He was my favorite yeah, one because Black he had Manta. that voice, man. The voice was so cool, so menacing. Yeah, uh, but yeah. This one we like Solomon Grundy was in there, Grundy. you know. Of course, like Luthor, Luthor, Brainiac, Scarecrow, Brainiac. Yep, Cheetah. Cheetah. Right? Yep. Was Penguin in there? He had to have been in there, right? The Riddler. The Riddler. Right? Yeah. Um, the uh, the ape who was Grodd? Gorilla Grodd. Gorilla Grodd. Right? Yep, yep. <laughs> Did you say Brainiac? We said Brainiac. It, right? I said Brainiac. Yeah, yeah. I think we got it covered, yeah. But anyhow, yeah, so awesome. Definitely want to recognize that. Because, like I said, this is... Um, the, the 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 kid inside of me is just like chomping at the bit. Like this is a, a big moment. This Justice League movie. So moving on, let's talk about the live action stuff. So 
I thought it was a lot of fun last week when we did the MCU rankings. So it's apples to oranges when we're, if we were to rank like all these DC movies, but there are certain groupings I think we can rank. For example, there is uh, the Nolan Batman trilogy. We can rank those. There's the Christopher Reeve Superman universe, which I think does include the, the Brandon Routh movie. So there's five movies there. Um, and of course, like the, the 90s Batman movies, which um, like the Michael Keaton and Joel Schumacher films, right? So mm-hmm. we can, we can kind of go down those. Um, and while we're doing that, like I thought we could come up with like this big ranking, but there are a lot of live action films that are based on DC characters. I mean, as far ranging as V for Vendetta and Watchmen to the Catwoman movie to Jonah Hex. I mean, there's just, there's so many. So um, I don't think we're have, we have time to <laughs> go through every single one, um, but there, I mean, this it's kind of telling, right? Um, we were talking earlier about superhero fatigue and I, there's a reason for it. There's just, has been a shitload of super movies that have come out, especially in the last like 10 years or so, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, and I think we were we were talking about how like we were like, why isn't this is a momentous occasion, a Justice League live action movie coming out. Um, why isn't there more buzz and more people talking about it? And I think it really is what you mentioned, Rainier, this superhero fatigue. There's just been so many damn superhero movies that have come out pretty recently that it's no longer like uh, like this water cooler things like, oh, can you believe such and such, and such is coming out? Uh, there's just so much out there. Right? <laughs> I feel like there's been quite a bit of buzz for Justice League. I just think it's in, in, in different areas than we're used to. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're used to all the Marvel Disney distribution where they're pretty much everywhere. Yeah. Uh, Justice League did take over like AT&T stores, things like that. Right. The big flagship store in San Francisco, they had this huge display and uh, props from the film that are there. Actually, they did this event a couple of weeks ago where they were mm-hmm. handing out posters. It was for Halloween weekend. Awesome. And if you came dressed in costume, Justice League or not, like you get, you know, all, what is it, five of the character posters. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I was able to go to an AT&T store, not the one in the city, and did nab those posters. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Wait, so you, you said Justice League costume or not? Like, you could dress up as like a different superhero and still yeah i think so i saw some pictures of people dressed up in like just random costumes oh that's kind of cheating don't you think (laughs) i don't think it was specific it said come dressed in costume interesting yeah i think people were just some people i think probably bought just some makeshift costumes nearby just so they could pick up the posters Uh Mm uh-huh yep yep gotcha collectors will do what they can to get their hands on everything and complete that set i guess so okay so why don't we start with kind of the gold standard DC movies, the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight trilogy. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is these are pretty much regarded as the greatest DC films ever made, really. Um, but that's kind of the, the, the mainstream consensus. But uh, I thought, well, why don't just you and I, why don't we just kind of break it down? What are your favorites? How would you rank uh, from best to worst uh, these three movies. So with these three, I'm talking about Batman Begins, 
The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, see, I struggle with that one because it's if you could watch it in one continuous take, and it's yeah. one long movie to me, actually. So you almost regard it as just like one like sort of singular work rather yeah. than like three different separate movies. Yes, mm-hmm. because they all really complement each other. Like you won't have The Dark Knight without Batman Begins. You know, you won't have it coming full circle with Bruce Wayne and the dark Knight rises. If it wasn't for Batman begins mm-hmm. and it's really hard to, to, to separate those three. But yeah. the thing, the thing that I find the most courageous of the first, you know, Batman begins film is that it came off the heels. There wasn't a Batman movie for the last what? 10, 15 years. Yeah. And so it came off the heels of Batman and Robin. Yep. I remember hearing Christopher Nolan or actually Christian Bale's response to, you know, they're interested in, 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 I think his agent was asking him, Hey, are you interested in taking on this, this Batman Bruce Wayne role? Yeah. And he's like another Batman movie. Are you kidding me? <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Again, coming off the heels of Batman and Robin, but then he dove into the character a little more deeply in the vision that Christopher Nolan had about how he would be playing this dual personality of Bruce yeah. Wayne and, and Batman. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of, what we talked about last week with the first Iron Man movie. Like, looking back, it seems like, oh, yeah, a no-brainer, like, that it was a hit, you know, and, and Robert Downey Jr., uh, you know, became this big A-lister. But at the time, I think both with Iron Man 1 and Batman Begins, it was a bit of a risk, you know? Like, there was a lot of sort of unknowns at the time. And, uh, and when that when Batman Begins did come out, it, it felt like nothing we've ever experienced before. You know, this is like right away you felt like this is different. Yeah. Like, this is a whole different take and, uh, and uh, definitely yeah. risky. I mean, know? Batman, bring, reviving Batman after so many years, like it had everything going against it. You had a brand new, well, I wouldn't say brand new director, but he was a relatively fresh director. Mm-hmm. His last movie being, or his, la- or his most well-known movie being Memento. Yeah, small budget, you know, independent film. Yeah. Yeah. Taking on this huge multi-million dollar franchise. Mm-hmm. Again, coming off the heels of Batman and Robin, that's what everyone remember from the last Batman movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in, in some ways, a bigger risk than Iron Man, because at least Iron Man was a completely new character in terms of movies, right? Um, there was no precedent. But Nolan was fighting like this stigma, like the stink of, mm-hmm. <laughs> of Batman and Robin was lingering. So not only did he have to, you know, come up with something cool and new, but it, he was sort of fighting that, the perception of Batman. And at the time it wasn't great. Right. Yeah. 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 And when Christopher Nolan created these movies, he, he created Batman begins without the expectation of a sequel. And I think that's just his directing style. Like he, he wants to close the loop on all of his movies mm-hmm. so they can all stand alone on their, on their own. And uh, when The Dark Knight came out, he devised a way to incorporate, you know, Batman Begins into The Dark Knight, like the evolution of his suit, the evolution of the Batmobile and the Batpod, mm-hmm. and carrying what was from The Dark Knight into The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, yeah. So it was a, and this is this is before like shared universes existed in in you know theatrical form. Yeah, definitely. Um, so from past conversations with you and certainly now it seems to me that batman begins is maybe just slightly but 
is your favorite of the three. Is that accurate? I I guess you could say it started <laughs> it all, yeah. Yeah. Um, what about the second and third installments, like Dark Knight versus Dark Knight Rises? <laughs> I mean, this versus thing is hard. <laughs> I, that's, well, Just see, rank it, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was actually surprised with how well the Dark Knight was handled because, like, Man, it really upped the ante on superhero films. Again, yeah. Batman Begins, like it took Batman into a much broader world, a much bigger in scope world. Mm-hmm. And Christopher Nolan was managed to managed to you know grow on that. Yeah, casting Heath Ledger as the Joker. Yeah, that was a big deal. And the last Joker we mm-hmm. saw was uh, Jack Nicholson. Yeah, there was a certain danger element to this Heath Ledger Joker that we've never seen before in a Batman movie, right? And Heath Ledger had just, I think his last film was Brokeback Mountain. Yeah. Talk about it. A completely different character. Yeah, yeah, no, completely different. Yeah. And, you know, we've we've known the Joker. I mean, as a comics reader, we know the Joker as being this extremely unpredictable dangerous villain but in movies we we hadn't really seen that so right. far you know there is the the uh the 60s joker uh, caesar romero caesar romero yeah yep. he, i mean he's pretty goofy um and then jack nicholson was was great uh in the 89 batman um but still it was kind of cartoony kind of performance um and there really wasn't i, mean, I don't want to say there really wasn't but there wasn't as much of this threat as Heath Ledger, I mean, his his scenes in Dark Knight were really like you. You don't know. You didn't know what the hell he was gonna do. And he managed to make the Joker scary. Really scary. Yeah. yeah. I mean, visually and you know, and 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 his presence on screen. Yeah. You know what's crazy is uh, I don't know if you've seen a lot of the um, behind the scenes stuff, like the the Blu-ray document or the Blu-ray commentary, but not so much. Um, uh, Michael Caine. His yeah. first his first interaction with Heath Ledger as, as the Joker is a scene where he's in the the Bruce Wayne uh, uh, high rise and it's a big party, mm-hmm. and the Joker comes in and crashes the party with the elevators opening. That's Michael Caine's first time actually seeing him in costume. Okay, his reaction that you see on screen is actually his reaction in real life to seeing Heath Ledger in full Joker makeup. Yeah. <laughs> kind of a like what the fuck kind of moment. Like what is this? Yeah, Michael Caine said he was terrified. Oh shit! Yeah. <laughs> And uh, this is a like a, a veteran, seasoned veteran yeah, actor, a yeah, great actor, who's he's he's been doing this stuff for decades and decades, and for mm-hmm. him to be like really shocked and scared, this is very telling. <laughs> There's a lot of those organic, um, you know, kind of interactions that happen in in Nolan's films. I mean, he's he's very well known for being in camera, very little mm-hmm. CGI. He uses CGI as a supplementary visual to what he captures on you know, on camera. Yeah. Uh, that's a good point. Yeah. Sure. And then like, you know, the way he Ledger handled the Joker, he was like, he, his input was like, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to put the makeup on myself. I don't want it professionally done. Mm-hmm. And that's why in, in moments of the dark night, you see white paint on the Joker's hands. Uh-huh. And that's supposed to allude to the idea that he just, he puts it on himself. Ah, yeah. That's cool. That's funny. I, I didn't know that, but it really shows like a part of the, the look, the greatness of the look of the Heath Ledger Joker is that it does look kind of sloppy and just kind of mm-hmm. thrown together, you know, and um, 
Yeah, the, the fact that he just applied it himself, it's, yeah, it definitely shows. And it definitely works, I think, you know. Well, and that's the thing, too. Joker just shows up. You don't get the whole he fell into acid storyline. All right. No, 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 you know, again, no burden of, of backstory. He's just there just yeah. to cause chaos, and he accomplishes that. All right. And all that said, I myself, I think I would rate – the Dark Knight Rises higher than The Dark Knight. And the primary reason is, as great as the Ledger Joker was, I think the villain Bane was even cooler. You know, I, that's one of my favorite all-time on-screen superhero movie villains. Yeah, yeah, Bane is actually one of my favorite villains. Holy shit. Uh, dude, I remember after watching The Dark Knight, thinking, man, wouldn't that be awesome if Christopher Nolan could tackle Bane? You know, yeah. take down Batman, then you see Batman rise up again. Yeah. And sure enough, it happened. It did. It all happened. And just everything about that performance was great. Like, that, that voice particularly. That it had voice a, that yeah. Tom Hardy had. I remember seeing it on screen. It had, like, this Darth Vader feel. Did that did that come to mind by any chance the first time you saw it being I mean, on screen? I mean, certainly the, the look was this big, imposing, masked figure. And, mm-hmm. it you know, it hearkened. Darth Vader, but the voice went totally opposite of that, and it really threw me off. Like, <laughs> this voice is fucked up. Like this is weird and awesome, you know. It was so cool, and yeah, I th- it was yeah. Th- that's to me just one of the one of the great on screen villains. Yeah, yeah. You know, there was quite a bit of criti- criticism regarding uh, Tom Hardy's physique. Mm-hmm. Like if I mean he was he was massive on screen, right? Yeah. He looked big, but there were a lot of people like, why isn't he like? Why isn't he chiseled like a, a bodybuilder? And it's like right. he's not a bodybuilder. Yeah. If you not. were to compare like bodybuilders versus this like metric strongman contests, these mm-hmm. guys that are are focused purely on just brute strength and not like sculpting muscle, that's what Tom Hardy looks like. That yeah. was the physique he he had he had gotten. Right. They're going for size. Yeah. And he's not naturally a big guy. He put yeah. on tons of muscle for this for this role. Yeah. 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 He's he was totally imposing. Like when he showed up, he he covered the screen. He was so huge, and his presence was like uh, so powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, so definitely cool. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think it's like you said. These these films are it's the the, the three movies together make this complete saga, right? Um, but if we are going to rank them, I would go this way. I, I don't think this is really the popular consensus, but my favorite of the three is The Dark Knight Rises, and then I think I would go Batman Begins, and then uh, The Dark Knight. Despite an amazing performance by Heath Ledger, there's no question mm-hmm. that he was so great in, in that second one. But I think that's how I would go. Yeah, I would. As, okay, how am I going to rank them? I'm going to put them all in the same playing field. Mm-hmm on top of a pedestal <laughs> because they all bring a different thing, you know, to Batman's world yeah, that yeah, we've yeah. never really seen on screen before. Yeah. Gotcha. And I think, um, yeah, speaking of the villains, I think Batman begins had a great villain too, the scarecrow. I think he was awesome as well. And yeah. again, kind of a, a different sort of villain, you know, he wasn't, uh, as opposed to Bane or other like huge, imposing villains he was this kind of small guy mm-hmm. and his his uh, p- 
power as a villain was more of a psychological terror, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think the, the villains in this, this trilogy definitely are a big element of, of why they they work well. Mm-hmm. Well, Rachel Gould was the ultimate villain, though. That's right. Batman that's right. Begins, right. Yeah, and same thing as you know. Like we keep talking about Bane, but he wasn't the ultimate baddie in Dark Knight Rises. Also, he right? was almost the stepping stone. Yeah, yeah. There's so many. Okay, so um, yeah, let's let's move on to Superman. So let's go back a bit. Let's go back to the uh, the Christopher Reeve films. So <laughs> this will be kind of fun because they span such a long period. And I do want to include the Brandon Routh film, Superman Returns, here, because it does technically exist in that same universe that the Christopher Reeve films did, right? See, when, I, when we talk about like shared universes, that like we were talking about this earlier, is that it feels like they're, they are fragmented shared universes, meaning in Superman, you hear you hear you hear Gotham, at least for Brandon Routh's Superman. So you know it exists out there, but it's not like they actually built on it. Like right. they didn't continue they didn't continue a Batman movie that was connected directly to Brandon yeah. Routh, Brandon Routh or they didn't make a Superman movie or a Batman movie that was directly related to, you know, the on-screen Superman movies that we have. Oh, so there was a, a mention of Gotham City in Superman in, Returns. Yeah, there was. Oh, it was I in the newsroom that. with um uh oh gosh. Uh What's the what's the photographer's name? Oh, uh, Jimmy Olsen. Jimmy Olsen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it was in there. Oh, interesting. I don't remember that. Yeah. So, do you think that was an attempt to possibly connect Batman Begins with Superman Returns? Like, have it be? I think I think the thought was there. I think they I think they threw it up. I mean, people. It's. I'm surprised you don't remember it actually. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. But I, I think they I think they threw it out there just to just to see how you know how people would react to it. Building off of that universe, uh-huh. but and oh, yeah. possibly yeah. connecting it, which they didn't do, but th- that is interesting. And at this time, I think Iron Man and Incredible Hulk, and I think the the very stepping stone of the Marvel universe or the Marvel Cinematic Universe was was already developing. It was like yeah, in the works. Mm-hmm. So I think that that was like in the ether or something, right? Okay, so but as it was, uh, they, they, that didn't cross over. But you know, th- there's no question that Superman. Superman Returns did exist in the world of the Christopher Reeve Superman. Mm-hmm. I mean, specific. I mean, they gave a timeline. You know, Brian Singer, who directed Superman Returns, I think he stated explicitly, like this takes place in that universe, and it takes place after Superman Two, right? Yeah. So, so now, okay, so this grouping, we're talking about five movies. There's Superman, Superman Two. Superman 3, Superman 4, The Quest for Peace, and Superman Returns. So um, <laughs> this is a, a pretty wide range of, of quality here, in my <laughs> opinion. Um, I mean, just okay, so right off the bat, I'll just give my ranking. I, I mean, to me, it's... Uh, and I haven't seen... Uh, to, yeah, to full disclosure, I haven't seen Superman 4, The Quest for Peace... Have you have you seen Superman two the director's cut? No, I haven't. I've because heard about that the Richard Donner cut, right? Yeah. So Richard Donner was he was actually no pun intended cut from the film like midway through or something like that, mm-hmm. and they had another director take the reins, and so the Richard Donner director cut is they took the footage that was not in the theatrical release of, release of two and they, you know, they place it back in. Uh. 
I got to see that because, I mean, the first Superman movie is one of my favorite movies ever, period, you know? Um, I think I talked last week about how Captain America, The Winter Soldier is my favorite superhero movie. I think there's no question that number two is the Richard Donner original Superman. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's fantastic. It's, it's really, uh, you know, just an amazing movie. Yeah. It brought about this movie magic that, uh, you know, we've never seen that before. Yeah. We've never seen a man fly the way they did it in Superman. Yeah. And that was the tagline, right? Yeah. You'll believe a man can fly. That was on the posters. And looking at it from a historical standpoint, it is pretty cool that like the first really serious and awesome superhero movie was Superman because the same goes for the comic books. You know, yeah, he was the first, first big superhero. Yeah, in comics and in the movie. So that's pretty damn cool. Um, so I mean, the the ranking for me would be Superman, Superman two. Then I would put Superman Returns. I think that was superior to Superman three, and for me again, presumably Superman four, which from all accounts I hear is is really terrible. Does that sound about right? <laughs> Wait to a you? second. Are you are you going to include the Man of Steel in there? Well, um, I'm not, just because we're talking about a continuous universe, and I think these five movies can be considered in the same universe, whereas the Henry Cavill Superman is in a separate universe. He's in the DCEU. We could talk about that later with with uh, Batman v Superman, Suicide Squad, Wonder Woman, but I think we should keep that separate. Um, well, we, we can compare The Man of Steel with these movies, but I think it is a little bit apples to oranges just because it's a different universe. What's interesting that about that, though, is that it, there's nothing in there that shows that it's not the same Superman universe because uh-huh. you don't get an origin story, um, at least Clark Kent. You don't get Clark Kent's origin story in Man of Steel. You get more of Krypton's origin story with Jor-El. Right. But as far as Kal-El's like background and you get, you, I mean, you get some, some scenes here and there as him as a kid in like school or on the bus. Right. Um, but I don't think there's anything in the storyline that discounts it as not being part of that Superman storyline. I guess not. Technically. But then it, well, I guess then it does. Well, no, even, even against uh, Superman returns. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. no, no, no. Cause he has a kid in Superman returns. Right. Unless right. he completely abandoned his kid. <laughs> Oh, that's the thing too. Superman Returns. They try to tackle a lot of. They they try to tackle some big things like the idea of him being a father, having a son. Yeah. yeah. Um, him trying to go back to Krypton to find if it's still there because he oh, right. he gets some hint that Krypton still exists, so he goes to try and find it. Right. That's essentially how the movie ends. Right. He goes to go find Krypton. That's how Superman Returns starts. Oh, okay. Right. Oh, that's why ship. he was missing for years. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. I mean, though, I would my argument for them being in separate universes would be the Jor El character. Look at the Jor El from the first Richard Donner Superman versus the Russell Crowe Jor El from Man of Steel. It just seems to be like Krypton is is a completely it's a whole different thing right there's like dragons and shit and man of steel right like it just seems Dude, totally, too different looks so cool though in the man of steel <laughs> that was kind of cool i really enjoyed actually the the portrayal of krypton krypton <laughs> yes so um yeah i think um 
yeah, we don't need to go too deep into it, but uh, I think for, for sure, I mean, Christopher Reeve is definitely regarded as 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 really kind of the setting the bar for Superman performances. We've seen a lot of on-screen Superman uh, portrayals since then, but mm-hmm. uh, he's he's really the the gold standard, I think. You know, the one line that always seems to stick in my head whenever when 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 I think of Superman one and Lois Lane, do you remember that, that dinner that rooftop dinner that Lois Lane and, and uh, Superman had and Superman yeah. was explaining like in one of his lines, he's like, I'll never tell a lie. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why that sticks out to me. Someone <laughs> that, someone that, l- someone that lies would say something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's just, it's always, when anyone says anything like that, it's like raises But it was, I mean, but that movie was meant to be, there was a level of acceptable campiness. There was. And goofiness, and that, you know, that was, that was there. Yeah, definitely. And, um, yeah, speaking of that, I think that is what has drawn some criticism uh, on some of these DCEU movies, that they are kind of uh, grim and bleak. Um and I think more recently, saw it a little bit in Suicide Squad, certainly in Wonder Woman, and from the uh, trailers on Justice League, it seems like they are starting to incorporate some comedy, um, some some lighter moments, right? Um, that we did, yeah, we saw from these Christopher Reeve movies. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, how much more of that sort of thing there will be, right? In Justice League? In Justice League, yeah, and particularly in Justice League. Oh, yeah, I think you already see it in the trailers. Like, yeah. When Flash asks Batman, what's your superpower? And he's like, I'm rich. <laughs> yeah. And you see Aquaman, like, yeah. Yep. Riding yeah. the Batmobile. <laughs> yeah, the Aquaman character seems, like, completely, like, bonkers. You know, like, just this wild dude. So I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do with, with that character in particular, Aquaman. Yeah, I think Aquaman... And Aton mentioned this before. I think Aquaman's gonna, Aquaman's gonna steal the show. Could be. If I, I don't. I don't doubt it. I think that definitely could happen. I think Flash may equally steal the show as well. Possibly. Um, he's highlighted in a lot of the trailers just as much as Aquaman is. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, I think we definitely have to talk about um, the Michael Keaton slash Joel Schumacher Batman movies. Yeah. Right. I mean, those were those those were huge in the '90s, basically, right? And I think the uh, definitely the first Michael Keaton Tim Burton Batman was um, it made a huge that splash. was a, that was a big deal, really big deal. The Batman we knew before then was Adam West. Yeah, a long time ago. The colorful, you know, know, hokey, campy Batman and Robin. Mm -hmm. And here we are getting this really dark, like gritty take on Batman and Bruce Wayne. Yeah, it was a version of Batman a lot of people had never seen, Mm -hmm. you know. And I think it was really the Superman movies that enabled a Batman movie to get made a new Batman movie to get made in 1989 but it was cool that it was so different like I'm sure there was pressure in like oh hey that Superman that first Superman movie was so successful let's try to do that with Batman but there's no way you can take a Superman approach 
for Batman. It's a completely different character. <laughs> and what they did, what Burton did with that first Batman was super cool. Like he really kind of captured the, you know, the darkness of of Batman. I think, you know, Nolan really took it to the next level much later, but at the time, yeah, super groundbreaking. You notice the theme though? Like so Tim Burton at the time, he was a relatively new director. Same same with Christopher Nolan for his trilogy. So it yeah. seems like they captured that same spirit. Yeah. Find yeah. someone that's that's up and coming and hungry. Mm-hmm. There might be something to that. Because the know? last, let's see, before Batman, Tim Burton directed uh, Beetlejuice. Right. And that's how Michael Keaton was the front runner for Batman Bruce Wayne. Yep. 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 Exactly. Mr. Mom? <laughs> Batman? Can you imagine if the internet and Twitter existed back then? Oh, man. Right. I People think that's kind of forgotten, too. Yeah, that... You know, looking back, Michael Keaton is is quite well regarded as as Batman. But when when that movie when it was first announced that he would be playing Bruce Wayne and Batman, you know, there was a lot of negativity around that, right? And you, yeah, yeah. Do you remember the negativity about Ben Affleck being casted as Batman? Oh yeah. Oh man, that was <laughs> through the roof. Yep. And like, yeah, kind of what you're alluding to. If social media was around you know, late 80s, I think there would be comparable haterade towards Keaton, right? Jeez. And look at Ben Affleck now. He was the shining star of Batman versus Superman. Yeah, he got... Everyone really liked his take on Batman. There was a lot of positivity there, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see uh, if that continues with Justice League, you know? That's honestly one of my biggest pet peeves is when people start to judge something that they haven't even seen yet. Yeah. I mean, this was just a casting announcement, and everyone was like, oh, my God, they're going to destroy that franchise. Yeah. Terrible. So the subsequent Batman movies to that 89 Batman was Batman Returns, also starring Michael Keaton and directed by Tim Burton. But then it started to change. There was Batman Forever and then Batman and Robin. So... You know, with this, with this whole like shared universe thing, I think th- these four movies should be considered to be in that same realm, right? That same universe. What What are your thoughts on that? I don't know, man. I think there is a Tim Burton universe and there's a Joel Schumacher universe. So you don't think you don't think they they connect? I I mean, loosely. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean it is different Batman actors. You know, it was it is different Batman actors. Right, Val Kilmer was Batman in Batman and Robin, or in Batman Forever, and then George Clooney was Batman in Batman and Robin. Yeah, right. So that alone, you could say, yeah, like they they don't, you know, there's no crossover. But I mean, it just it, it to me, it kind of feels like they were part of the same world. Like, I mean, for me, like Batman and Batman Returns are the same world. And then Mm -hmm. all the Schumacher films is its own, like, world. Yeah. And you do get different Batmobiles. Yeah. (laughs) You have the same same Batmobile from the first and second, and the remaining, there's a different one for each. Mm -hmm. Very different. Yeah. Yeah. They they, they change them up big time. But the tone of each film is really different. I mean, the the first and second, the second especially, Batman Returns, was really dark. I mean, you see... You see the penguin bite someone's face off mm. uh, in in Batman Returns. Like you, you know, if if they were making that, so the 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 Schumacher films, they they, I mean, it was clear and they admitted that those movies were made specifically to sell toys, <laughs> right, more right. so for Batman and Robin because they jumped into production like really fast. That was like the biggest thing. Yeah. Um, 
uh, who was it? Uh, Chris O'Donnell and um, George Clooney. Mm-hmm. I think oh, actually no, everyone that came from Batman Forever, like Chris O'Donnell, uh, Alicia Silverstone, yeah, they were like, wow, they're moving really fast with this. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> got to get that merch out, you know. Got to get that merch. <laughs> so, I mean, I think yeah, I think for the most part, I think the public perception is the Keaton Burton movies are are well liked, but the Schumacher. Batman films are really hated. You know, I think that's kind of the perception. To me, I, I kind of liked um, Batman Forever. You know, it's it's kind of goofy, but... Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, and I think, shoot, if I watched it again tonight, I might have a different uh, experience. But I just, in my memory, I remember walking out of that theater being like, hey, that was fun, you know? And at the time, I was, yeah, full disclosure, I was a huge Jim Carrey fan at the time. And even before uh, yeah. I saw the movie, I'm like, Jim Carrey's going to be the Riddler? Oh, shit, you know? Like, do you remember like, how it was rumored? It was rumored, actually, he was going to be Robin. Did you hear about that? I think I do remember that rumor. And that one I wasn't too keen on. But when I heard he was the Riddler, I'm like, oh, shit, this is awesome. Yeah, that made sense. Yeah, it did. You know, the, the, the I mean, at the time, you know, with the Ace Ventura movies and, in living color all that stuff like he was he was the king of comedy like he was the ultimate prankster and for him to to be the riddler was like oh this shit is perfect yeah it fits yeah Yeah. you know your your same memory of walking out of batman forever like being like wow that was a fun movie like i really enjoyed that i had the opposite feeling towards batman and robin Mm -hmm. i remember midway through that movie thinking oh my god this movie is total garbage yeah like <laughs> they took something that was like serious and they made it sort of they just made it completely goofy with arnold schwarzenegger's every 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 line of his was was a pun of yeah of, of ice <laughs> yeah i couldn't take it man yeah I, I remember walking out of the thing i can't believe i paid for this movie right yeah yeah no i i, I had a similar experience you know like again i think just the his like looking back everyone sort of say oh schumacher batman they were garbage but i think it really was that last batman that was terrible i think batman forever had some redeeming qualities but yeah batman and robin was just yeah it was a real letdown you know you i i, I the same thing i walked out of like oh man it's like they really like like went off the rails with this one yeah. you know <laughs> but you know they're all they're all stepping stones to each other like you know they wouldn't they wouldn't have learned their lesson about Batman and Robin um, mm-hmm. had that not come out and pave pave the way for what not to do in a superhero film. Yeah, you know who knows? You know if there wasn't the train wreck that was Batman and Robin, maybe there would not have been a Nolan Dark Knight trilogy, or maybe <laughs> it wouldn't have been as great as it as, as it turned out. Right? You never know. You know, it's possible. You know what? You want to know a fun fact about the Nolan trilogy? Uh, what's that? Was that uh, as they were proposing, as they were proposing Batman Begins to the studios, they had already built the the Batmobile, the Tumbler. Oh no way! Yeah, can you imagine like pitching Batman Begins and 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 saying, "Hey, we have the Batmobile right here. Do you want to see it?" <laughs> I mean, if that doesn't seal the deal, I mean, come on. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and that wow. vehicle is fucking badass. It's probably one of my favorite Batmobiles because it's. You know, it's real world functional. They yeah. they invented a brand new car. Right. I agree. I that's one of my favorite Batmobiles, if not the favorite, yeah. I think. Um yeah, for all the reasons you just mentioned. It, it feels like it's it's real, it's functional. 
Um, and it really fits what Nolan was going for with that first Batman and really the whole trilogy, really. Uh, it was that whole realism aspect. You know, the, the, it, once, once you're dropped into that world of Batman Begins, it was kind of like, what if Batman was a real person? Mm-hmm. This is how this shit would go down, you yeah. know? Like, this is really how it would go. And um, there is this, a level of realism that we had never seen before in, in Batman and, and most other superhero movies. Do you remember the Batmobile chasing in Batman Begins? Where the cop yells this one line, he's driving on rooftops. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right, I, in right. my opinion, I think that was a direct jab at, uh, I think, Schumacher's portrayal of the Batmobile driving up the side of a building. Oh, like right. Like physically impossible driving <laughs> up the side of a building. Right. Like I it mean, had a, like a grappling hook or something? I think so, yeah. Okay. Even even the Batmobile, even, uh, uh, let's see, the Batman animated series did a, uh, did a tribute uh, to um, the Frank Miller uh, Dark Knight Returns mm-hmm. where they have these three kids um, explaining their interpretation of Batman and it's clearly influenced from Frank Miller. Yeah. And uh, one one of the kids says, yeah, I've even heard the Batmobile can drive on the side of buildings. <laughs> and the other kid's like, Batmobile can't do that? That's ridiculous. Again, another jab right at Joel Schumacher. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> I love that shit. And I think the kid's name that actually says that, his name is Joel, which is ah, clearly a jab. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, that seals it. <laughs> it must have been in reference to that, right? Okay. So I think that leaves us with the DC Extended Universe. So Justice League is going to be the fifth film uh, of this uh, series, really. So there's Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, Suicide Squad, and Wonder Woman, right? So what are your thoughts so far? I mean, it definitely doesn't have uh, the, the volume of films we've seen with the MCU, um, but they've certainly had an impact. A lot of box office and a lot of people have opinions on these movies. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on these flicks? Oh, overall? Yeah, just overall. As we're, you know, w- w- with the, the thought of, you know, the fact that we're going to see Justice League in just yeah. like a few days. I mean, they're, I've said this before that I think DC, they, they, they're trying to push the envelope. They're trying to, you know, break the mold and, and take risks. And, you know, some people take to them. Some people don't. Um, I'm, I'm just really glad they're not, you know, there's not, uh, they don't have to be stuck to a, a particular formula because I think it'll just open up for better storytelling. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think there's something to be said about the fact that these movies are quite different from the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. You know, like, there's there's a whole different tone and feel to them. And if they were just trying to do, like, an exact copy of that, it'd be, like, pretty disastrous, I think. You know, they really have to... I, I think with any kind of... Um, with any kind of, you know, art, you don't you don't want to just copy like past stuff, right? And I think they've kind of found like a place where the MCU films aren't. You know, we talked about this earlier about how, in general, Marvel Studios caters towards uh, like a younger demo. You know, it's kid friendly, and I think we've seen this. I mean, with with the Spider-Man Homecoming movie, that's kind of the most blatant example, I think. 
Um, but just, you know, just generally speaking, I think uh, it's the movies are, 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 are tend to be kid-friendly, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the DC movies kind of smartly, I think, have kind of geared towards like an older audience. You know, they're a little bit edgier, they're darker. Um, an audience that can pay for their own ticket. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. So DC has what, three Oscars under their belt? Or is it four? Oh, remember. right. That's a good point. You know, like uh, the the awards that these films have gotten, you know, in the past, like uh, Heath Ledger did win the Oscar, mm-hmm. right, uh, for The Dark Knight. I think Suicide Squad won like a makeup award yeah. not long ago, right? And then these are, there's three. I, I, I can't, I can think of the third. I'll have to find you know? them. But I, I think there are three. Okay. And um, that speaks to me. That speaks to like the rich history of it. You know, as great as Marvel Studios is doing, and yes, how much I love those fucking movies. It's a very recent sort of thing. It's just been ten years. You yeah, know. Yeah. Um, but with DC, uh, it's it's a long history of many great live action films mm-hmm. and uh, it, it's good to know that it's good to note too that the the source material as well a tremendous history that yes does precede marvel you know like dc got here first with the comics and with the movies too mm-hmm. right uh, so definitely we should recognize that so all those haters out there who are saying oh justice league it's just they're just doing what Marvel did with the Avengers. They're just copying. Um, no, they're not. They're not. Well, <laughs> so let me let me tell you about the risks. I, I say that yeah. a lot. Like DC is taking risks that Marvel yeah. isn't. Like you know, Batman versus Superman. Superman dies. Like which big hero in the Marvel universe had died? Yeah. Right. In Civil War. No one dies. Right. <laughs> and the title is Civil War. <laughs> War being the key word here. How many wars are there where no one dies? <laughs> And then uh, Wonder Woman, man, they cast, you know, their first female lead that that is carrying the entire movie. How many female-led Marvel movies are there? Zero. And how many movies have they had out in the last decade? (laughs) Yeah, it's 17 MCU movies to date, zero female leads. There will be with Captain Marvel, but, like, let's just talk the first 17, zero. I mean, maybe you can argue Elektra. Maybe you could also argue Catwoman. But, yeah. I mean, those those movies were clearly not marketed the way, you know, these movies are being marketed today. Right, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. I'm surprised we don't have a Black Widow movie. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about that, like how she's been in a lot of these Marvel movies, but never as the lead, you know, always as a side character, right? Yeah. So, yeah, definitely a lot to be said there. And, yeah, and we've talked about Wonder Woman a lot, but... That's a great movie and um, groundbreaking for sure. So um, that's another interesting thing to look out for. You know, what are they going to do with Wonder Woman in the Justice League movie? You know, mm-hmm. um, the Wonder Woman film was such a huge hit critically and box office wise. You kind of wonder if they, with that success, if did they gave her a bigger role in Justice League? Did that change at all over over time? You know, I wonder. Who knows? I want to be blown away. Either way, I don't care. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, well, we will we will find out soon. <laughs> but if you do want shared universes though, like 
Warner Brothers Television has, or CW has, a lot of great stuff. I mean, you have Green Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow, Flash, Supergirl. Uh, you can even go as far back as Smallville. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I kind of specifically didn't incorporate the the DC TV shows just because, you know, sadly I haven't watched many, so like I I personally couldn't speak to it so so well. Um, but you got to recognize that stuff, you know, like dude, they're great shows. Smallville mm-hmm. was like the first of its kind, yeah, where they explored. Tom Welling says that it's not a show about Superman. It's a show about Clark Kent, and it mm-hmm. absolutely is that. And he stuck around for 11 years, 11 seasons of that show. Yeah. And uh, they did they did a great job with that show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. the current CW stuff, uh, like I mentioned before, and then Black Lightning coming up, like they've got a they've got a lot of great stuff. I I've always felt that television was a great um, you know story platform for for comic book you know storylines mm-hmm. because then it's it it reads like a comic book right like you have this room to you know there's you have you have room to go in different directions as as you see fit as opposed to you know a one and done shot film yep 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 and going back a ways there was lois and clark lois and clark right that was a huge hit you know when it was running (laughs) and uh i think a lot of people forgot about that but you know you can't you can't talk about on-screen supermans without talking about dean kane right so yeah all good. Do you ever see yourself binging uh, any DC superhero television series? Uh, that's a good question. Um, because I have, I have, uh, you know, like sampled shows here and there. Like I watched some Supergirl. I watched some Arrow. Um, I think if there was one that I might binge, it might be Arrow. Just because I kind of liked what I, what little I have seen so mm-hmm. far. Mm-hmm. You know, um, interesting characters you know and there's there's this whole like ensemble show right it's called arrow but you know there's there's so many like sort of interesting sub characters in yeah too. arrow is really good this season <laughs> oh yeah because there's the introduction of a whole lot of other characters that you don't normally see on screen uh, Dude, would you like me to tell you who they are or? um i'd love to know <laughs> yeah so we see mr terrific okay uh he's an original jsa member okay um we have uh wild dog Mm. There is also, um, I mean, the Flash is actually introduced from from the Arrow series. Okay. And his show, I would actually recommend watching his. If if there's anyone to binge, I would recommend Flash. Ah, okay. I think Flash has been wildly popular. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, I did hear Black this. Canary. I just forgot real to mention quick. Black Canary. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. Black Canary is a big part of Green Arrow. I can't believe I didn't mention that. There you go. Uh, but yeah, speaking of Arrow, I did hear that there was a mention of Batman or Bruce Wayne. I yeah, know, yep, there was a mention of Bruce Wayne. So what, what, what's your feeling on that? Do you think they're going to incorporate Batman somehow? There's been, I mean, there's been, there's been talks about, you know, a new Batman show coming on board. And this is separate from Gotham, which, by mm-hmm. the way, is a great show. Mm-hmm. Gotham is like the early years of Gotham, young Bruce Wayne. Right. Um. But man, how great would that be to see Batman like intertwined with a lot of these storylines on television? Yeah, because we haven't had a regular Batman television series since Batman the Animated Series, right? And then before then, the Adam West series. So, what is the reference? Like, what what happened? Uh, so, Oliver Queen is the mayor of um, of uh, Star City, and mm-hmm. he 
you know, he does these, he does, uh, you know, he does these public, um, what is it? He does press conferences and he mentioned, he mentioned Bruce Wayne by name. Uh, I think he also mentioned Gotham. Actually, Gotham was also mentioned in uh, Supergirl. Okay. Yeah. So they exist. They've, they've talked about him. The context in which Oliver Queen referred to him, he referred to Bruce Wayne as like his, the city that he invests in. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, that'll be interesting to see, you know, where that goes. But, uh, yeah, any last thoughts as we uh, hurl ourselves into this adventure that is the Justice League on Thursday? (laughs) I don't want to hear anything about it until I see it. That's my final thought. (laughs) If anyone sees us, like, just don't tell us. uh, Certainly don't, like, tell us, like, the RT score, which somehow, like, in, in the published the public consciousness is like regarded as not being a spoiler. You know, I, I totally think that's a spoiler. Like, I tell, think it's a spoiler too. Like yeah. telling someone the Rotten Tomato score, that's a spoiler. Like, I think, I think let's just for the record, let's just state that right now. <laughs> that is a spoiler. I think you and I have deep seated feelings about Rotten Tomato yeah. <laughs> ratings, right? Yeah, you know, it's not a perfect system. It's not a perfect system, and yet if we hear the score, it is. It does set like a certain expectation that we just don't want. And even even the like freshly rated logo that they put that it's incorporated in their advertising Ugh. campaigns now that if it's freshly rated that it's plastered right there on the movie poster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's annoying. Don't. And so that if it's got a fresh rating, you know it's got what an eighty or ninety percent like or above. And I'm like, I don't want to. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't want to set that ninety percent expectation. Right. And the expectations are big. You know, like last week we talked about how like. It was one of my criteria is how much was I anticipating this movie versus how much I ended up liking it. That that's a was a big factor in how I ranked those movies. And ideally, I want to go in with no expectations. I don't want to know how good it is or how good it looks. Like, I just want to go in fresh. Yet, there's the group of people out there that, oh, what's the Rotten Tomato score? I don't think I'll watch it. I think I'll just wait for it. Right. That's definitely Are you serious? Thing. Go watch the movie and make your own <laughs> fucking opinion. Yeah. Totally agree. And this whole thing you mentioned, the whole thing of putting the RT score in an ad, that's not right. You know, that like I said, that's a spoiler. I don't want to see that. You and you, you mentioned this too. Like, it's like, what if you kind of like the movie? Yeah. Or what if you kind of, if you don't kind of don't like it? So it's either pass or fail, right? Yeah. It's that yeah, whole, yeah. it's that whole, um, you know, instant gratification feeling of yes or no. Right. That That is the biggest flaw in the Rotten Tomato scoring that like a hundred percent a five out of five score on a movie counts as much as like a marginal recommendation like a three out of five and that is yeah it's it's deeply flawed definitely okay i'm glad we got that out of our system yeah that'll be a whole other episode (laughs) i think we could we could go on and on about rotten tomato scores yes indeed (laughs) but uh let's, let's just try to stay positive here and um yeah I think uh, it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be fun Thursday checking out uh, the Justice League. Speaking of Rotten Tomatoes, how does Iron Man 3 have a higher Rotten Tomato score than Batman versus Superman? <laughs> See, that's the flaw right there. <laughs> well, yeah, hey, we don't want to go too much longer on this, but <laughs> okay. I want to bring something up. Like you, you have joked historically about um, critics being influenced by disney and by marvel (laughs) oh i don't joke about that (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm serious. Okay, well, well you have... You I've have, talked about it, yeah. You have talked about it. And it's a conspiracy theory. It's a conspiracy theory, and to me, I always... I would always laugh it off. I'd be like, oh, that's funny. Yeah, right. But there, there, there is some concrete, I don't want to say evidence, but there, there's some shit that happened recently that may put some credence into these and in the, into this conspiracy theory, right? I mean, Disney has deep, deep pockets. Yeah, there's this whole thing about, again, I don't want to get into it too much, but the, I think it was the LA Times um, <laughs> and Disney clashing. So th- there's definitely a tempestuous tempestuous relationship between disney and film critics i mean they could easily get paid off so maybe there's something there and i think you're citing the high rating of iron man 3 is maybe that might be the smoking gun right there (laughs) because (laughs) that movie was fucking garbage that was total garbage (laughs) okay on that note let's wrap up the episode this is farewell from henry and rainier Thank you.